Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And I hate his guts, and I have to learn to like him. How long is that going to take? What do you think, Max? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, uh, I don't know. Maybe when they beat Auburn. It's going to take more than me. How about uh, first national title? Yeah, I mean, like, you're you're just going to be gritting your teeth at the parade. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Like, Brian Kelly is always going to be Brian Kelly. So, like... It may be fun, and you may be able to root for the team, but, like, ugh, God. And as always, Podcat is there spinning the dials, making us sound less incompetent than we actually are. Say hi, Podcat. Hi, Podcat. Everybody hates me. It's okay. I'll get over it. No one hates Podcat. Everyone loves Podcat. People hate me. Buddy, let me tell you, man. People fucking hate me this week. (laughs) Yeah, his uh, his mentions are pretty funny. Mine are pretty bad, too. Like, yeah. I I have a lot of people in my – I have a lot of debate me people in my mentions right now. (laughs) Look, all right. Let's just get – okay. Brian Kelly's a bad person. He's an asshole. All right? And let's just get to the big elephant in the room. Um. The incident in which a videographer was sent up onto a tower in 60 mile an hour winds and the tower fell over, uh, the videographer died, and Notre Dame was found responsible for the student's death and Brian Kelly was continued to allow the coach and he was the person ultimately responsible for sending out this tower. Now, I'm not going to say that Brian Kelly should be in jail because he could he shouldn't be. That's not murdering someone but the fact that i'm leading off with someone's death should tell you a lot of things and kind of my equivalent is this my wife's a band director in texas and they take they take bands seriously down here it's a big deal and if she had hired a videographer to film her band do a performance so they could get it to work right in 60 mile an hour winds and the tower had fallen and the kid had died my wife would not be allowed to be a band director anymore. And that's kind of what I'm saying about Brian Kelly. He probably shouldn't be allowed to be a coach anymore. Yeah, but but he just got hired at LSU. For a lot of money. Yeah. And no one cares. I, I mean, that was like 10 years ago. Who cares about it? You know, I can't remember the kid's name. Who cares? Right? Yeah, not really. Yeah. And... and the one thing I so we're just gonna blow past that. So however you feel about that is how you feel about it. The one thing I do not like is all of these stories that are now coming out about Brian Kelly's an asshole. You know, like he only talked to the, the Notre Dame people for three minutes, and then the the snow shovel story that came out. And I mean, look, Notre Dame people, you have enabled this asshole for ten years, and you didn't care because you won games and you went to the playoffs and you went to a BCS championship game and you were still relevant. You only hate him now because he left you. If he was still your coach, you'd be defending him. And 
So just miss me with all of that shit. Yeah, I mean, like, Matt LaFleur, didn't he also join him on a staff later? So, I mean, I feel like the snow shovel incident is a little overblown. Um, but, like, eh. Yeah, like, Brian Kelly is not somebody I want to hang out with. Uh, he's certainly not somebody I'd like to work for, uh, even though people do it. Yeah, because they want to win. I mean, <laughs> you're going to get prom- – like, yeah, Marcus Freeman's going to be the new head coach at Notre Dame. I, I mean, he – you work for Brian Kellen, Kelly, things are going to happen for your career. You're going to win and you're going to get promoted and you're going to make a lot of money. Yeah. And, and that does lead kind of lead us a little bit to why LSU made the hire. I mean, look, Scott Woodward and the athletic department at LSU is not here to, uh, they're not here to win any pageants or anything. They're here to, to win football games. Um, and they are, they are not afraid of, uh, stepping over a couple skeletons to do so. I think that's been abundantly clear for several years now, um, considering there was a whole report about how they were willing to step over skeletons to win football uh, games. Um, I, I think that's what bothers me the most. It's just like you just hired a law firm to investigate your football program for bad things you've done. And I, I'm not going to say that I have spent more time with the Hush Blackwell report than most people on the planet, but – I've spent more time with the Hush Blackwell people than most people on the planet. I, I wrote a three-part article on it. I have read every word of that report, some of them multiple times, going through this and trying to break it down. And I don't think it's as bad as the headlines, if that makes any sense. But it's still bad. And right. I, I still stand by my initial reaction that it's more of a LSU failure than a football program failure. But in the aftermath since then... First off, the fact that they haven't fired the cells, the tennis coaches, is just mind-boggling to me. I mean, no one in that report comes off worse than them, and they are still employed by the university. But since the report has come out, they have the athletic department has hired Kim Mulkey, who was not guilty of anything in the Baylor scandal, but let's just say she had some bad press during it and made some ill-advised comments. And now they've hired Brian Kelly who, again, doesn't have a record of, like, like there's not a reports from Notre Dame that they're abusing women. There's not a domestic assault scandal. So it is it is different. But he definitely uh, has a rep- uh, Oh, on, am buddy. I wrong? Am I wrong? Hang is there well. one? There's the Lindsay Siebert. Uh, Lindsay oh, my Siebert. God, there is one. Okay, so there yeah, is a domestic dude. violence one. I'm sorry. My bad. I, I don't keep up with Notre Dame. Um, but he does have a thing of where he accidentally killed a kid. And you're kind of, like, looking at this going... LSU doesn't care at all about this. And this isn't a Brian Kelly thing. This is an LSU thing. They don't care. And that's a hard pill to swallow. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's about winning national championships for them. And Ed Orgeron wasn't fired because of those things because – he wasn't fired because his name was in that report, even though no. it was. He was fired because he went six and six after going five and five. Yeah, no, I That's agree. It. It, it, it's That's all why they his full buyout. And look, from a football standpoint only, if we if we strip all this away, like let's just take it away the the PR part of it, you know, the whatever you think of the university, whatever you think of his past scandal, strictly football, 
Brian Kelly's one of the 10 best coaches in America. Maybe top five. Yeah, he, it's a home run hire. It really uh, I is. mean, strictly from a football standpoint, Brian Kelly is an amazing football coach. And you got him for under market value. I, I mean, he's getting paid the same annual salary as Mel Tucker. And, and look, Jimbo I love Mel Tucker. I mean, I love Mel Tucker. Mm-hmm. I, I would have hired Mel Tucker in a second. But when the Michigan State boosters moved in and offered him $9.5 million a year, you kind of had to say, hey, good job, Michigan State. I hope that works out for you. Yeah, he's making more than Jimbo Fisher. Uh, they were talking about throwing, what, $12 million at uh, Lincoln at Riley? Well, they, yeah, they were. the reports were like between 12 and 13, uh, which I assume – you know, Woodward would do something similar for Jimbo, which is disgusting, honestly. Like, paying Jimbo Fisher $12 million yeah, yeah, to coach yeah, the football yeah. team is insane. Look, I'd pay him $12 million not to coach my football team. But let's but let's like, go with Lincoln Riley, because Lincoln Riley, right, right. We, we both really like as a coach. 12 to $13 million for Lincoln Riley, I think, is a pretty good standard of, hey, this is what it costs to get one of the best coaches in America. Right. I, I mean, non-Saban, who's the best coach in America? It's Ryan Day... Lincoln Riley or Brian Kelly. And uh, Dabo. And Dabo. That's pretty much your list. Yes. Uh, we can all agree that Saban's Oh, Kirby, right. Kirby. And Kirby. Yeah, Kirby. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Georgia fans. Please do not. <laughs> they've, I been have rendered... mention- they've been in my mentions for about a year because I said uh, Todd Munkin's offense isn't as good as they think it is, which I stand by. Um, I'm sorry, Georgia fans. Yeah, you're right. Kirby's great. Um, but my point is he's on that short list. He, he, there's Saban and then there's the next tier. And... Kelly's in it. He is a great football coach. So if what you care about is winning football games, this is a home run hire. It is. I, I cannot dispute that. And at the end of the day, I'm not going to judge someone who all they care about is winning because, look, I like Roman Polanski films. Yeah, right. And, I mean, right. like, I like David Bowie albums. And David Bowie raped a 14-year-old. I, I mean, like... I like a lot of things made by pretty horrible people. Yeah, I still think Trapped in the Closet is pretty funny. And, and so for me to turn around and be – and also I don't think Brian Kelly, if we're looking at the standard of horrible people, I don't think he was malicious. I mean I think he made a mistake and I don't think he – nothing he did was criminal. I, I think it was negligent. But negligence means you cut a check. It doesn't mean you go to jail and you're you you know you're never allowed to do anything again. And Brian Kelly, yeah, he's an asshole. But you know what? Saban's an asshole. Oh, I mean, Saban's like, an asshole. Like, who cares? Like, being an asshole is not a you know. At the end, of, hell, I'm an asshole. I mean, it's it. We are not talking, and I'm not going to get paid nine and a half million dollars to coach LSU football. So, if you if I really take a step back at it, as much as I want to really be angry about this, because I'm I'm mad at LSU because I think that they don't because it, it really relates back to the Hush Blackwell report, and I just don't think they care. But if I can remove myself from that, I, I, I want to be charitable. I think the people who just view this as a football hire, I think they're right. I mean, that's certainly what the university thinks. Um, so they certainly have the uh, – they certainly share their opinion with the university. And, like, look, I was skeptical of Woodward getting, you know, his guy. Uh, and, look – Lincoln Riley was his guy. Jimbo Fisher was his guy, but he kind of got another one of them. Yeah. Uh, and like, I think it'd be dishonest of me not to say I was wrong. Uh, and that he absolutely went into the pond and dragged out one of the biggest fish. Uh, yeah, but, like, look, it's, I, but like all these moral concerns are something 
we have to at least address and think about uh, and kind of wrestle with as we, you know, grow accustomed to the thought of Brian Kelly being the face of the program. Yeah, but I kind of think it's more of a personal thing. I think if you're the AD, at the end of the day, you're as long as you, as long as you're not hiring someone who is as long as you're not hiring Kendall Bryles, like I, I think that's beyond the pale. You you can't hire a Bryles. Um, but like Brian Kelly sins while real. Again, they're they're not criminal or anything. He hasn't been banned from the profession. He's not, you know. I don't actually think he's this monster. I, I just don't like him. I, I don't like him on a personal level. He just grates me. And the more I think about that, I'm more like, that's not a reason to not hire someone. He's a great football coach. And at the end of the day, we rate coaches on whether they win or lose. Right. And he's going to win. He's going to win a lot of games. Yeah, I mean, like, he – look, Notre Dame is – Notre Dame is a good job, but Notre Dame is not – a sure job. It's not Ohio State. Uh, he brought them back from twenty years of pretty severe underperformance. You know, seven and five type seasons, semi regularly, uh, failed head coaches, and you know they have to deal with a lot of recruiting restrictions with academics and whatnot because it is a pretty exclusive institution. And like through all that, he was the guy that brought Notre Dame back near the top. And I think he brought that program as close as it can get in the modern day. I don't think I, – I just don't know if it has a ceiling above that given what they deal with with recruiting and the fact that they're in Indiana. Um, it's – so, like, when you kind of think about that and think about what he did at Notre Dame and what other people failed to do, like, his, his resume is – you know, the athletic department said this a bunch when they were introducing him. But, yeah, he's the most accomplished coach LSU has ever hired. And he's honestly – when you look at the SEC hires of the past decade, he might be one of the top three, four most accomplished hires, you know, this conference has seen in a very long time. Yeah, I, I was thinking about that. Like, <clears throat> if you think of LSU hires at the time of the hire, who's the most accomplished? Brian Kelly. Yeah, it's it's easily Brian Kelly. I, I mean, honestly, before that, I think the answer is less Miles who had a better record at Oklahoma State than Jimmy Johnson. Like, if, if on paper, the best hire LSU has ever made prior to this was Les Miles. And that's saying something. Like, yeah. LSU has, has not hired – I mean, maybe if you go all the way back, Dana Bible. But, like, LSU has not hired big-name coaches as a general rule. Like, they, they have hired – kind of mid-tier guys or up-and-comers. And look, I'm a big fan of hiring the up-and-comer, but this is one of the first times LSU has just sat down and just made a godfather offer to somebody and gotten one of the biggest names in the sport to be the head coach. And the fact that LSU stole a coach from Notre Dame football... Pretty satisfying. ...makes me so happy because I... Hate Notre Dame, and for them to be floundering around right now, it's like, oh, it's so unfair that someone's done something mean to us. Poor little Notre Dame. This is the program that had its own has its own TV network, and for them to pretend that they're like this poor little put upon. Oh my God, poor little Notre Dame. Who's going to help us? 
I mean, just go fuck yourselves. I hate you so much. And yeah, for LSU just to swoop in, steal Brian Kelly when they're still in the championship race. Like, oh, Notre God, that's going to be go- so funny. They might actually make the playoffs. Could go to the playoffs. Oh, my God. It's beautiful. Unfortunately, their misery is over because they are very excited about Marcus Freeman, as they should be. Uh, He is, like, I think if there is a ceiling above what Brian Kelly brought Notre Dame to, and honestly, I don't really think there is, maybe they'll catch lightning in a bottle one year with a quarterback. But, like, if there is a ceiling above this, I think Marcus Freeman's going to get it. Uh, Honestly... Honestly, I think I think Marcus Freeman should be at an institution with no ceiling. Like, I want to see him be the Ohio State head coach. That's how good he is. Um, and, like, the fact that they were willing to not even see what Luke Fickle was, you know, up to and say, yeah, Marcus Freeman, you're our guy. Like, that tells you what they think of Marcus Freeman, and I think they're right to think it. But, like, it is pretty funny that LSU has, you know, sort of dragged its nuts all over the face of Notre Dame and stole their most successful, at least in the modern day, head coach, which is, uh, that's pretty satisfying. Yeah, hey, this is for 1969. Remember that. Um, yeah, no, like, I, I think LSU did Notre Dame a favor by going after Marcus Freeman so aggressively to be their defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 it put them to a choice. But if we're thinking about it, that's... If, if if you've ever read a super system for poker, you know, the whole point of, of poker is you're trying to make someone make a decision on all their chips. And that's what LSU did. They're like, hey, we're going all in on Marcus Freeman. And Notre Dame had to make a decision right then, right now. Are we going to promote Marcus Freeman or are we going to let him walk? And they made their decision. And I think they made the right call. But I like the attitude behind it from LSU standpoint. You, you can't be mad that they called you you still made the right call by going all in on Marcus Freeman. You made Notre Dame make that choice because had it worked out, I mean, Marcus Freeman, that would have been a. Oh God, I would have loved that. He would have only been here for a year, but like, man, that would have been a fun year. And that, that, that you know, raises the question of like, you, you look around, we're in the same situation we were last year. We're looking for a defensive coordinator. Yeah, but or, Ed Orgeron's not making are we? time. Or are we? That's true. That is true. Because, uh, look, halfway through the season, I was ready to fire Durante Jones into the sun. And over the second half of the year, once once Orgeron got fired, I think he kind of, you know, took all of the restraints off. It was like, hey, guys, just do what you do. Uh, yeah, that's exactly I, what happened. It was a totally I, different defense, like, structurally. I, I would honestly I, – I, I would keep Durante Jones. I don't see any reason to go out there. Look, you're paying, you're paying them ten million, nine and a half, really ten and a half. Once you look at the bonus structure, is paying your head coach ten and a half million a year, and LSU has always paid its coordinators more than just about anyone in the country. Maybe save a little bit and say, hey, Durante, you did a great job. You got kids to play for you. You're our guy. Yeah, I mean, that would like Durante Jones has certainly put. You know, a lot of good stuff on tape the last half of the season. Their defense has been absolutely lights out. And by the way, not against nobody. Like, yeah, no, he, uh, he held Alabama, Alabama to, to yeah. 300 total yards. Uh, now, look, Bill O'Brien's kind of an idiot, but like, oh my God, thank God they didn't hire Bill O'Brien. <laughs> uh, I just, oh my God, that was, oh my, that was my terror. Yeah. 
Yeah, that honestly, the fact that that hasn't happened is amazing. Uh, because at one point, I totally thought it was going to happen. Yeah, um, no. Once, once Lincoln Riley said no, I was very much staring on. Please don't hire Bill O'Reilly. Bill O'Brien. Please do not fire Bill O'Brien. Do not hire Bill O'Brien. Right. It was just that. That was my fear. Yeah, and like the thing is, um, their offense is still elite because uh, of their players and because he kind of was handed a system from the shadow staff, but like. Uh, that he's you know done all he's could to uh, deviate from, but you know that's you know regardless, they held them to like three oh six. Um, they absolutely stifled Arkansas, who by the way has themselves quite an offense uh, under you know scumbag Kendall Bryles, who is yeah. you know bad at being a person, great at calling plays, great at, yeah, great at coaching, um, yeah. He's a more extreme version of Brian Kelly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like he's, he's an even worse person, but honestly, not as good as a coach. So. Well, he's a, he certainly is a great offense play caller. Yeah, he is. Um, yeah, and like he now he's probably remanded to permanent offensive coordinatoring because nobody wants him to be the face of their program. But like you know, he's a good offensive coordinator. They shut him down. They did not have an answer. Um, Texas A and M's offense not good. They, but still, they did a number on them as well. Yeah. Outside of a couple of you know pretty fluky plays, they were shut down. And so, honestly, I mean, yeah. the big thing is that they didn't. He's been doing this with his second string defense. I mean, yeah, he's like, first of all, both of his corners are gone yeah. um, forever. Uh, but, yeah. like, um, you know, he's out there with like Darren Evans, and I like Dwight McLaughlin. Dwight McLaughlin is a very talented player, and I'm excited he's to see how he develops. I think he's yeah. going to be a real good one. But like, still, he's out there with Darren Evans, Cordell Flott on the outside, which as we saw last year, kind of has a little bit of a, you know, is. Yikes! Because he's like 160. He's but, a guy. I like. Yeah. I mean, he's he's great he, on he the can... inside. He's a great nickelback. But like, yeah, on the outside. But still, like, he's putting it all together. Um, and like all the stuff, all the pressure stuff they've done. Uh, they've changed up their fronts. They've kind of gone into a lot of bare front to stop the run. Um, and you know that gets that gets a lot of teams behind in the sticks. And when you get behind in the sticks into obvious passing situations, he comes after you, and he comes after you hard with a lot of zero blitzes. Now, I'd like to see and what and against A and M. There, you know, yeah, there were a couple in the red zone. Like outside of the red zone, Jimbo Fisher didn't really have an answer, but they called a couple of zero beaters in the red zone that worked. Um, but like, yeah, it, that's true. But at the same time, like, look, he got he really got you know so, like the off season to install kind of Orgeron's defense that he wanted to run, and then he got the. Um, you know, the bye week to kind of do a lot of the stuff he wanted to do. So, like, you know, this isn't the complete defense. He's definitely got a lot more up his sleeve. But as for retaining him, like, that that sort of depends on what answers I get in the, like, in the interview. I would certainly interview him, and I would interview him first because he's right there. But, like, I would ask him, like, look, you know, this is sort of a sneak preview, you know, a little almost like a trailer into the Durante Jones defense. Um, I want to know what it looks like put together, what kind of things you're thinking, um, you know, what kind of things modern offenses are doing, how you would stop them, all that kind of stuff. I would ask him all those questions. And if I like the answers, given, you know, the fact that we know he is a smart guy, he's got a great background, uh, and the fact that he's been really successful when, you know, he hasn't been held down by Ed Orgeron wanting him to run those even fronts uh, and, you know, non-disguised straight cover one and cover three, like all that stuff. Once he's kind of been turned loose as a coordinator, it's been great. So all that in mind, if he gave me the right answers, I would retain him. If he didn't, 
I would probably start searching simply because there are so many great options available. Um, like Glenn would... Schumann, the co-DC at Georgia, who's third fiddle behind uh, Kirby and Dan Lanning. I mean, he's one of the sharpest defensive minds in the entire country. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, he's, you know, part of something truly unbelievable at Georgia defensively. Yeah, see, but I look at it like this. Like, we kind of went through the defensive coordinator thing last year, and we offered a bunch of guys, and they didn't come. And I know there's some talk that they were, Woodward was sabotaging Orgeron, wouldn't pay out guys. But you have to f- hire two coordinators, and I'd rather just have to hire one. That's true. Like, it, it, like if you if you have a guy who can do the job and he's in the barn, and you feel confident in him, why not just give him the job, keep it there, and concentrate on the offensive coordinator search? Because oh my god, yeah, do oh, we yeah, need yeah. a new offensive coordinator? Like, yeah, yeah. like I spent the majority of the Texas A and M game wanting to murder um, Jake Peets. I mean, just, I was there. And I had, oh yeah, that's another thing I did. I went down to Baton Rouge, uh, you know, last weekend for the game. It was a lot of fun. I got to meet, you know, Podcat and all the all the crew, a lot of the crew, um, which was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I was at the game and like, I was like, all right, you know, let's, I've only gotten like two, I've only gotten my hands on two all 22 games of the LSU offense, UCLA and Alabama, and boy, were they gross. Um, but like, so I was like, okay, you know, let's see, is it really as bad as I think it is? I'm like, by the third quarter, I'm, I mean, oh, my God. I was just like, please just punt the ball so I can watch Durante's defense again. Yeah, honestly, that's the other thing about Durante Jones. He's done such a great job with an offense giving him nothing. Yeah, right. In the third quarter, you could tell the defense started to crack, mainly because the offense wasn't helping. And, and, you know, the defense is like, dude, we've been on the field for, like, 40 minutes, and can we get a couple first downs here? I, I mean, I, I don't – Jake Peach just had – Oh, he has no feel for calling a game. Just none. no. I mean, he's just calling. He's calling like triple slants, slant flat, stick, uh, and all these like you know quick game stuff. And I, that's pretty I, much it. I mean, I was like, this is sort of the moment. Well, not the moment. I was already pretty pissed at him. But at the end of the game, when they're gonna do the uh, when uh, LSU does it, I, I know we're well past Thanksgiving and no one cares about the A and M game anymore. But I'm just gonna sum up why I hate Jake Beats. All right. They get the big first down. They're at the 30-yard line or so, 35-yard line. 30 seconds left in the game. They have no timeouts. And I'm watching the game with, with my family at the ranch, and I'm just like, our offense is terrible. Just chuck it to the end zone four straight times and pray, which, by the way, ended up being the game-winning play. So I ended right. up in front of my father-in-law looking like a, like a freaking genius. But the first down play, he called a swing pass in the field of play, which thank God was incomplete because yeah, if right? the receiver catches the ball, LSU loses. Like if the play worked, there's no way they can stop the clock and they lose the football. Like I was just like, what are you doing? Like the complete lack of concept of what's going on in the game was just unbelievable. The, I will say the moment I thought LSU was going to win the game, and once again, we're, you know, again, I know no one cares about the AM game anymore. Was Oh, God, was it awesome, though? I mean, was like, when, when Besh caught the fourth down pass. It's not just when he caught it, it's when he ran directly to the sideline. I was like, finally, there's someone on this team that understands game situation. Like, Besh's first instinct was catch the ball, get the first down. His second instinct was stop the clock. And he didn't yeah. get there, he just tackled over the, you know, before he got there. 
But the fact that he made such a heads up play of I'm going to try and I've already done the one thing I'm going to do the next thing just showed such awareness and uh, Jack Besh. Yeah. You know, you've made this comparison a lot on Twitter, but like, honestly, I'm really starting to see it. He really does feel like Jarvis Landry too. He is. He's going to be a fan. He's going to be a fan favorite forever. Oh my God. He's awesome. Like he is, you know, I know the spread. I I know like this, you know, really, really spread out like four wide eras over, but like, man, like you really want him running a lot of those. uh, And and honestly, that's why he's worked so well. Like he is a good fit for the, uh, you know, the Joe Brady saints type offense, even though this is really just the table of contents of Joe Brady's uh, offense, um, which is not sufficient, obviously Uh, it's also terribly applied, but you know, all that stuff. But like, I mean, it's yeah. Jack Besh is great. Uh, Max Johnson made the throw of his life, honestly, on that touchdown pass because uh, he fitted in before the safety got there and just over the the corner who was tight. It was awesome. Uh, and like be, uh, being in the stadium for that game was was pretty awesome. That was electric. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a moment. I, I mean, that that's just a, a yeah, like a, a big win like that. And also, it just felt good. I, I, I think fans. You young people are spoiled. I mean, like, but you don't know what it's like to root for a bad team. And there's something to be said for getting a win to become bowl eligible. Like, it meant a ton to those kids. And there's something cool about being excited about winning rather than being like, ah, we won and only being mad if you lose. Yeah, right. And, like, the, uh, yeah, that's true, certainly. Um. And also, like, it's nice that college doesn't have, like, a draft, so I don't have to worry about because the Giants a couple years ago beat Washington. Uh, and if they had lost that game, they'd have picked two overall and selected Chase Young. Uh, so that's yeah, no, nice. yeah, there's no – yeah, yeah. LSU is still going to get great people and, you know. And yeah, also, right. It doesn't matter. It Like, so there's no reason not to root for them to win, and you can kind of just enjoy the game. It was fun. It was Kayshawn, a blast. Kayshawn comes back next year. Oh, he better. He's not going pro, and I have. I know, but I'm, scared, I'm always scared of transfers. Yeah, no. I am too. Like, and honestly, like, I mean, I know Eli Ricks is already in the portal. I don't know if there's any chance of getting him back now that we I don't have. think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think that's a guy who wants to win titles. I, I sort of, I sort of anticipated that though when Orgeron was fired. Yeah, but you know, look, you're going to lose people when you fire a coach. That's just right. the nature of the game. But I don't want to lose everyone. But honestly, there's been very few departures. Like, so far, I, but no, honestly, they, they tend to happen quickly. Like, guy gets, you know, I mean, they've known Orgeron's going to be out for a very that's long true. time. That's true. That's true. And uh, and hiring Kelly, let's be honest, that that's something that's going to cause almost no one to leave. So, I think the recruiting class is going to oh, stay I mean, together. It might, it might it might cause the student videographers to leave. Yeah, it might. It, yeah, the videographer is going to be very upset. They're out. <laughs> and honestly, our social media team is awesome. So yeah, you take right? care of them, Brian Kelly, because LSU's social media team is amazing. So you treat them right. Um, but yeah, like, yeah, there'll be some transfers out because that's just the nature of the beast. But I think they'll transfer people in. I, I think the recruiting class is going to stick together. And they're in on still a lot of really big names. And yeah. I, I think it's going to be pretty seamless. To be yeah, I, I really, I think so too. Um, and like, even if, you know, they do lose a couple guys, like, they did have a great recruiting class last year. They're going to retain probably a lot of it. Uh, like the receiver position, especially, is so talented and God. young. It's yeah. so young too. So like they have a lot to work with. Uh, but like I mean, man, I don't want to see Jake. Like I don't want to see Jake Pete's 
in Baton Rouge. Like, no, he, he's got Nick go. Dietz is supposed, supposedly a really nice guy, and I feel terrible about it because he does seem like such a good guy. Uh, but, yeah, like, not, man, yeah, he just, he's got some things to learn. Yeah, he, he shouldn't be an offensive coordinator. But he, you, know, you know what? He reminds me, and this is a he's a smaller version of Mike Archer. Mike Archer, I really like Mike Archer. He just got promoted to head coach before he was ready to be head coach and, you know, kind of tanked the LSU program in the process. But I can't blame him. Like, right. you know, you get offered the head coaching job at LSU, you take it. And he was – he just wasn't ready for it. And I think that's Jake Peets. I, I hope Jake Peets can go back to being a position coach, spend a few years, and then work his way back up. And I, I think he could become an offensive coordinator again and be very successful. Yeah, he's he is, a good position coach. He is not fully formed. He can be a good offensive coordinator. He's just he's just not there yet. Yeah, and that I think is the big thing. Uh, I do have some names though that I would right, like. Hit me. All right, here, here's so, our names. I tweeted out I tweeted out a list a little bit earlier, uh, but I would like the names the uh, the OC to be from this list. Jeff okay. Lebby, Ole Miss offensive coordinator. I uh, think Ole Miss is just Ole Miss. I think that's a Kiffin thing. I don't think he's a. I don't think he's well, a bad he offensive was, coordinator. But I, I'm not. He I'm does not well. I've thought about that, but he does call the plays. Yeah, uh, I know. I know. But, and but, he also worked under Josh Heupel, and Lane Kiffin brought him uh, to kind of continue. Because, like, so when he was at FAU, he hired Kendall Bryles, and Kendall Bryles sort of taught him that school of offense. And Kendall Bryles sucks, so not as him. As a person. Um, yeah, yeah right. once again, as a person, not Great as a coach. coach. Great coordinator. So I don't want him, but I do kind of love that offense. So he I, I don't hate him. Jeff like, Lebby to Ole Miss. To I'm not that. against it, but I'm not like I'm. I'm not. Yeah, no, I got you. Laser focused on it. But Next yeah. one on that list is Jeff Grimes. Obviously, you know Baylor. Baylor as, as someone who holds a degree from both LSU and Baylor, uh, get your hands off the Baylor Bears. Um, yeah, no, Jeff Grimes would be a great hire. Obviously, came up through LSU. He has a lot of ties here. He's done a great job. Uh, yeah, he made Zach Wilson, by the way, who sucks at with the Jets. He sucks. He's so bad. Uh, but so he kind of made Zach Wilson. Um. So Jeff Grimes, Phil yeah, Longo. No, Phil Longo is. I love Phil Longo. I, I think he. I, I. I think he's the best offensive coordinator in the country. Uh, he I, might be. I mean, he's been absolute dynamite everywhere he's been for like the past seven years. Yeah, he's amazing. And, and he, dude, he he turned North Carolina into a great offense. It's him too. That defense is trash. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he made people think North Carolina was going to be a national title contender. Like, that's how good he is. Yeah, uh, and he turned Sam Howell into an NFL prospect. Yeah, yeah, and Sam Howell, by the way, is going to bum uh, out horribly in the NFL. But hey, well, unless get he paid. goes to a great situation. But get yeah. paid. Good for you, Sam Howell. I'm not against you, but hey, he can throw the football deep. That's sort of it. But like, but yeah, if LSU, it, as, long as, like, as long as LSU is making Godfather offers right now, Phil, Phil Longo offers. is the yeah. first call I make. Yeah, I would also go Sean Lewis, the Kent State head coach. Making, <laughs> uh, that would be so dis- that's so disrespectful <laughs> i know i know there's no bigger dick move than stealing somebody's head coach to be a coordinator um uh, but he's making i think he's making like i forgot i'll have to check his exact salary let's see sure. i'm sure we'd pay more I'm yeah it, like it's not i think it's like 500 to 700k um so i would offer him two and a half mil uh especially if you don't have to hire a new dc uh, I'd give Durante like you know one point five, one point eight, or whatever, um, and give him like two and a half to entice him out of you know 
Ohio or wherever God. Kent State is. That'd be such a jerk move, but I actually do kind of like that. I'm not going to lie. He's um, great. I mean, like that offense is is unbelievable. It's really, really easy on the quarterback, and that's sort of the the theme for all of these is these really quarterback-assistive play-action RPO offenses, which is where I think modern offense is right now. Um, and, like, they are explosive as hell. They can run the football very, very well. All these guys can. Um, and that offense at Kent State is really something special. He's the architect of it. Uh, the other one is Kyle Flood, the offensive coordinator at Texas. He uh, he was the offensive line coach at Alabama um, for a while. Sarkeesian brought him to Texas to run his offense, well, to help him run his offense. So, like, he's very well-versed in that system, which I love. Uh, it's not why Texas kind of sucks this year. There's yeah, a lot I'm of saying. general dysfunction. Um but like their offense is still generally really productive, uh, and it's sort of you know elimination yards per play. I right, realize like, they don't have a quarterback, they, but they had talent at quarterback just didn't produce. Right, but like they've actually gotten more out of the quarterbacks than they should have, uh, just because of the system. Um, and like, look, it was it was what it was at Alabama. It was state of the art. Even you know, even a, you know the fact that they had absurd talent aside, it was state of the art. Uh, not going to riot, but not. Ridiculous you know. recruiter, ridiculous offensive line developer. Look what's happened to their offensive line when he left. Okay. Uh, that's Those are two things you saw me on right there, recruiting and offensive line. And, I think he knows, and he knows Sarkeesian's system, which is a really good system. LSU's offensive line has been consistently bad for 10, 15 Yeah, well, that's another uh, benefit of the Brian Kelly hire because yes. they have done work. Producing yes. offensive linemen. They are like offensive line you besides Alabama right now. I, I agree with that. They have done a great job. That, that's one thing I really like about the Brian Kelly hire. Um, once again, if we're talking just football only, yeah, he right. knows how to develop an offensive line. And LSU has not really had that in a long time. Right, exactly. Um, yeah, so I think, uh, I think you know, Kyle Flood uh, is sort of a natural um, extension of that. Recruits like hell um knows the uh like he he landed like two or three top 10 offensive linemen a couple years ago so it's pretty ridiculous um and you know he knows the Sarkeesian system which I think is one of the best in the entire sport uh Anthony Tucker is another name Utah State offensive coordinator he uh was another hypo guy at U at UCF uh and I love that system so much they've done Great work this year at Utah State. Their quarterback Logan Bonner uh, has, you know, more a higher percentage of play action dropbacks than like pretty much anyone in the country, uh, which I love because it, it just makes your life so much easier and the defense is so much harder. Uh, that offense is terrific. I like him. The other uh, and one that's sort of off the map is Brennan Marion, the Pittsburgh wide receivers coach. Um, he he's got a unique offense that he developed um, at Howard and William and Mary. Uh, that's, that was ridiculous when he was there. Uh, the and, Sorry. <laughs> and he is the only real difference between Pitt from the last couple of years, which is one of the worst offenses in the ACC to one of the top five or six offenses in the entire country. Uh, Kenny Pickett went from nothing to throwing 40 touchdowns and being a possible Heisman finalist. Uh, his receiver group 
out of nowhere, pretty much, has a Belentnikov finalist in Jordan Addison and a couple other really, really well-developed and talented players. And in my opinion, wide receiver is the second most valuable position in college football right now. So, I mean, it, it is. It's because, well, I mean, like, I don't know, tackle maybe, but like, and or corner or edge, but like I'm gonna say, yeah, edge rusher, pretty important. I mean, look, <laughs> it, look where it's got Michigan. But like, yeah, that's right. I would go. I would. I would go quarterback, edge rusher, corner as your yeah, three. Most but if you've got like, if you've gotten, if you get two or three elite receivers, it 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 just makes you almost impossible to cover and defend. Um, which is like where how Ohio State has gotten so good. Yeah, they, they, got, they have so many receivers. Like what they what they're able to field at receiver with Smith and Jigba, Olave, and Garrett Wilson at the same time. I mean, you can't you can't play cover one on them because you're going to give up fifty yard touchdowns. Can't really play you know quarters or cover three or anything soft um, because they're just going to take the underneath stuff, break a tackle, and take it for thirty five yards. Um, and you're also going to get run on, but if you're in quarters, but like it's it's just it puts up such a constraint on the defense when you have that kind of stuff. So you need to be able to develop multiple high-end receivers. Brandon Marion's got a um, a background in that because he's done ridiculous stuff with their receivers, and he helps call the plays. So, I mean, I think. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm assuming because, like, one, their play calling is, is, is quite different, um, and uh, they're just so much better. They're so much better schemed this year, and they did not make an offensive coordinator change, but it kind of looks on tape like they did. So I think he's an out-of-the-box option, but I think whenever he gets his chance, he's going to do great things with it. I, I mean, I don't know if he's called plays this year, but, like, I mean, <laughs> I'm I'm kind of sure they I Like, yeah, you can kind of tell, you know? You can kind of tell when somebody's fingerprints are on something. Um, and the other one, the last one, is Kale Gundy, the OU offense coordinator, disciple of Lincoln Riley. That's sort of a friend of Riley hire. But, yeah, yeah, that's where I would go for the Oklahoma offense State. What's weird about Oklahoma State this year is you – No, he's you Oklahoma. Tend, oh, I'm sorry, because I was about to say, you think of Oklahoma or, State. Yeah, their offense is – Oklahoma State's offense yeah. is Garbo right now. Which is weird because you tend to think of them as being this great offensive team, and then all of a sudden, like, the one year they can't play offense, they're great. Um. Yeah, this has been a funny – and this is where you get to step back. The, one of the fun things about LSU being – I don't want to say bad, just but average. I, you've really been able to appreciate what has been one of the most fun years of college football in a really long time. Um, it's been a wide-open year. Um, anyone can win. Georgia's going to win. Um, yeah, Georgia. <laughs> Everybody, anybody can beat anybody but Georgia. Yeah, well, I mean, Georgia could have a bad game. Uh, yeah, but, their offense isn't as good as they think it is. But it has been just a really fun – season and yeah just sitting around just watching it and you know like i said i i have a, uh, a degree from baylor so i have some love for the bears they're going to be playing in the big 12 championship game and who would have thought that dave aranda yeah, baby dave aranda, i love that guy and, i wanted and, him to be that coach and look and as we look as the years go on how much credit does dave aranda get for 2019 uh i mean like a lot Especially at the end, because they were the, like the best defense in the country over the past like five six weeks. I mean, of the he entire left, season, he left and uh, things fell apart. Yeah, things. I think things fell apart more because he left than because Joe Brady did, uh, and I think that's indisputable. Yeah, because like look what Brady's done since he's left. Like as much as everyone goes on and on about J- Joe Brady, he wasn't the offensive coordinator. Yeah. Steve Ensminger was. Like, give some love for the old guy. You know, you know, Brady was calling plays, but like Ensminger was the guy 
like coordinating. Like I, I know that sounds silly, but he called a majority of the plays. Joe Brady called plays on obvious passing situations because he was the passing game coordinator. But like Stevens Winger, most of the plays, most of your favorite plays that you were all cheering at, called by Stevens Winger. Yeah, like I mean, he was basically he, he made it easy for Joe Brady to succeed. Like there was yeah, a lot did. of hand holding going on, and, and, so and that's good. Jamar Chase that, and Justin Jefferson and Joe that's, Burrow. That's the mark of a good staff. Like you don't just thrust guys out there, but like. The fact that Joe Brady is the guy who gets all the credit for 2019, I mean, I, I think Orgeron gets a ton of credit. should get more credit than he does. But beyond Edo, it's, it's, I, it's I, I, Dave Aranda. Like, Dave Aranda yeah. is clearly the second most important person there. The other, the other thing – the coaching, because obviously the other thing, yeah, Joe Burrow. The, <laughs> the other thing you can't dispute is that Dave Aranda kept the early Ogeron era alive. Yeah, um, he did. Because without Dave Aranda, that dude's fired in 2018. Let me tell you, because yeah. their offense, even with, yes, Jamar Chase and Terrace Marshall were true freshmen, the receivers tend not to come along until their sophomore year, but they were awful. But yeah, they were, they awful. were awful. Yeah. Uh, and Dave Aranda had a top five SP defense in the entire country. They were filthy. Um, so, like, Dave Aranda kept that season alive because, look, they went 10 and three, 10 and two and a half, kind of, because, you know, refs yeah. but like they they could have sucked uh they were like people were predicting they would go six and six and they could have um but you know if not for Dave Aranda and Cole Tracy yeah like, look first year of F- yeah, I mean, been fired. like if he doesn't win that Auburn game and then the Florida game I mean things could have gone oh sucked. yeah and guess they who won those games we, we were talking about I remember at the time we were talking about them not having a winning season we were talking about four and eight like yeah. for real um Guess who Dave, won both? Guess who won that game? Dave Aranda. Dave Aranda. I mean, he earned the Baylor job, and honestly, I think he's playing this right. Like as much oh, as yeah, you would yeah, like to get too. paid ten million dollars to be the LSU coach, there is something to be said to get paid five, six million to play in a down Big Twelve without Texas or Oklahoma, and still have a path to the playoffs. Baylor has a real opportunity to be the big dog of the Big Twelve. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, yeah, that's why Mark Stoops isn't leaving Kentucky, by the way. And, well, I mean, it, le- it looks like he's not. I don't want to say yeah. that and have the Oklahoma job, you know, go to him and then look like an idiot. Uh, but, like, honestly, I would love to get paid six, seven million dollars to be cheered when I win seven games. That yeah, but that's roll. a different thing. Like, yeah, like, M- Stoops has never won, what, more than eight games, I think. Well, once he won 10 No, games. they just did. They're 9-3. and yeah. three. They, they, you know, they might win 10 games. But other than that, I mean, he's an 8-5 and five coach, and that's great. And he's going to coach there forever at Kentucky because he's 8-5, and five and that's all they want. Like, the difference here is Dave Aranda can go 11-2 and two every year. Like, he's not going to be cheered for going 8-5. and five. He's going to be cheered for winning Big 12 titles. Yeah, when they expand the playoff, he's going to be in it a lot. Yeah, and – even if they don't expand the playoffs, they could be the new – I mean, I'm not saying they will be, but they can be the new Oklahoma, the team that just wins the Big 12 and gets in that fourth slot every year. And you know who's going to be the game. new Oklahoma? Oregon. USC. Uh, I was going Oregon, but USC, that's a that's a very tempting one. I mean, like, look, it's – you know, the, the thing I'm hearing a lot is, oh, Lincoln Riley's going to win national titles now because he's free from the shackles of recruiting to Norman, Oklahoma. I'm like, okay – I understand what you're talking about. Yes, South Carolina or South South Carolina, Southern California produces a ton of talent, but like Oklahoma has been one of the most consistently elite programs in the entire country. 
I don't want to hear that you're shackled by a ceiling in Oklahoma. Bob Stoops won championships. Barry Switzer won championships. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, Barry so, Switzer like, won championships. Don't yeah, you, you know, so like, <laughs> yeah, like other people won championships. So I mean, you are not limited at the University of Oklahoma. I'm sorry, you're not. You have plenty of access to Texas. Like, though, going to the SEC, it changes everything. Yeah, that's true. And Lincoln Riley, by the way, afraid of the SEC. I think um, he is too. I totally, totally do. Totally uh, is. And not because he not because he turned down LSU. But because he left Oklahoma when he did. Yeah, no, I, I and he had made noise about how he didn't like the move. And th- this screams, I don't want to play in the SEC. Yeah, and- or I don't think Oklahoma, like, I think he thinks Oklahoma isn't capable of it. You know why he thinks that? Because he's faced SEC teams with Oklahoma and he's yeah. gotten his teeth kicked in. Yeah. So, like, just absolutely obliterated. I mean, I mean, like, yeah, that game against Alabama should have been way worse on the scoreboard than it was. Alabama led up when they were up 21 nothing. Oklahoma uh, in the first quarter. Oklahoma is a great program, a great program. Yeah. And they are nowhere near the level of the top SEC teams. Right. Year. That's true. And that's, that's true. crazy. And, that is but crazy. They could be, but they, I, I'm, I don't think they can't be. And I don't think Lincoln Riley was limited by anything as he was. Maybe going into the SEC, you could make the argument that he would be, yes. But, like, Oh, why isn't he winning championships? Oh, because Lincoln Riley's limited by Oklahoma. And now that he's at USC, he's totally going to win tons of national championships. Maybe, maybe, but like, you know, they've under-recruited a lot of positions on defense because he's going after skill guys. And I think that's just going to happen again. And I think they're going to roll through the Pac-12 like they do with, you know, the Big 12. Then they're going to get to the playoff. Then they're going to play Alabama or Georgia or LSU maybe. And, you know, they're going to get it handed to him again. I just think I think they're new Oklahoma. I, I don't think it's going to be any different. Oh, look at all these USC quarterbacks. Why aren't they winning championships? Well, because you forgot to recruit corners, man. Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, one of Oklahoma's great things is they were able to leverage being in the Big 12. And I don't mean this is the Big 12 is a bad conference because it's a good conference. But they were able to leverage that they were an elite top-tier team in a good conference and the sec has every year has two to four elite teams in it. And if Oklahoma moves, they're just going to be one of that pack. And I I don't think they're quite ready for, honestly, in a weird way, I think Texas might do better with the move. No, we're getting way ahead of ourselves. I I think Texas is used to competing against the sec kind of thing. I, I think, Texas's problem is they just brain fart against terrible teams. Yeah, I mean, also, like, you know, they've got to stop having assistant coaches date strippers with aggressive yeah, yeah, yeah. primates. Yeah. Hey, uh, more monkeys. More monkey stories. I want more monkey violence. Uh, Coach Sarkeesian, do you have any comments about the pole assassin's monkey? Wow, what a season. Uh, God, this has been the best year ever. I've it really enjoyed been. it. Um, yeah, but at the end of the day, I mean – as much as I want to say I hate the Brian Kelly hire, because I, I I can't. I mean, I don't like what it says about my university, but that's more of a university issue than a football issue. Um, what it says about the football team is that they want to win, and they'll do anything to do it. And I, I think Brian Kelly's going to win national titles at LSU. I do, Joe. I, I mean, look, if Ed Orgeron did, if Les Miles did, got to think the second winningest active coach in college football is going to win one. Yeah, 
And like, and I know they toss out he's sixty years old. Don't care. Don't care. Yeah, saving seventy. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if if we have to replace him when, he, when he's seventy, that's ten years of winning. I'm, I'm okay. With yeah. Him. I mean, what I, what I would like Kelly to do is win a lot, set up a lot of infrastructure, get a really good assistant like he kind of did with Marcus Freeman, and then hand him the reins and in sort of like a Ryan Day, Lincoln Riley type situation. Yeah, and be like, hey. Thank that's you. the that's what that's the ideal outcome uh, in a lot of these you know hires. That's what's going to happen at Alabama, and it's going to suck because they're going to continue a lot of their winning. But like, well, they're going to hand off to Bill O'Brien. No, <laughs> no, no, no. I honestly think if he doesn't get hired somewhere else, Saban might fire him. Um, oh god! I mean, it's so hard cool. to. Ju- that's the problem with where Saban's at. Is like you can't fire your assistant after he has a top five offense in the country. But you know it should be better, and it's not because of him and Doug Marone. Well, their problem, Bama's problem, is that he's had so many great assistants. Now they've all left. Yeah, I mean that's boy, what a terrible problem. Kyle Flood, Kyle again, Kyle Flood was like the biggest loss. Like he was their offensive line coach. He was a great recruiter, and I mean, you know, you bring in Doug Marone. And all of a sudden, they can't get into the right protections or block anybody. Like Alabama should not be struggling on the offensive line ever, and they are. That's yeah. Kyle Flood left. But I mean, they lost Kirby, and like, yeah, but they replaced him with Pruitt and had like the best defense in recent memory until Georgia this year. Yeah, Kirby's pretty great. My, my he point is, is that great. the pressures on Saban. This is the the hard thing to be Nick Saban. You know, let's whip out our tiny violins. Is that he has to re- he loses elite talent and then has to replace it with more elite talent. There can never be a drop off, and eventually there is going to be. And I think that's this year. I think that's yeah. What it felt like it this year. Like they're just he got really good guys. He just didn't get truly elite guys. And yeah, I think they're going to get stomped on by Georgia though. I think so too. I think Georgia's going to stomp them. And, well, I think but, it'll be like twenty seven thirteen. But you never know. With you know, it's it's Bama. You know, yeah, and look, they have the best quarterback in the country. So, of course, just, of course they, they do. Have, they just have, yeah, of course they have the best quarterback in the country. So, yeah, they just find ways to be Bama. I mean, they should have lost the Auburn game, but they should have lost the LSU game. Oh my god! Know. Oh my god! Did you watch that game? Because I was yeah, in the stands yeah. in Tiger Stadium when like all the overtimes were happening, yeah, and no. I didn't have connection, and I was just like listening to people around me saying, "Oh, this, you know, two overtimes, three overtimes, four overtimes. It's crazy." Yeah, Auburn should have won that game. I mean, they just pissed it away. They had a 10 Man, nothing lead with like five. Family. I want them to win that game. With like five minutes to play, and, you know, uh, it's what happens when you just can't put a game. Yeah, when uh, you don't kill the monster. Yeah, no, you you, you got you to gotta kill him once, kill him again, and then when he rises again, kill him a third time. Right. And they didn't do it. They only killed him twice, and the monster rose back up, hand out of the grave. It was Jason coming out of the lake, you know, and there it was. I, I, I mean – Fair play to Auburn. They they play their guts out, but they're Bama. I can't believe I'm saying this sentence, but if Bo Nix were starting that game. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. Finley was terrible. Yeah, terrible. I know. I wish uh, he were better, but he just kind of isn't. Yeah. But, like, man, if they had Bo – like, imagine Bo Nix going two for three against Bama. Yeah, he would have won that game. I, yes. I, I am. I'm 100% convinced that Bo Nix plays that game, Auburn wins. Now imagine you're Bo Nix. You're like, hey, man, I'm two for three against Bama, two for three against LSU, and the only team I lost to was the best team ever, like, yeah, late I mean, in, a, I mean, in the closest game they played. Outside of Cam Newton, he's the best Auburn quarterback in 20 years. Oh, my God, that's depressing. No, Jason Cam. 
No, he's he'd be better than Jason Campbell. I mean, like I don't know. I don't know. I still don't know how good Bo Nix is. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like Bo Nix just he pulled stuff out just out of his ass. I mean, he was playing legit good football before he got hurt for the first time in his career. Just yeah, it's just amazing. Uh, good for Bo Nix, and I can't believe I'm saying that. But as we look to the future, we're going to head into the recruiting season. You know, I think LSU is going to pull a pretty good class. I don't think there's going to be that your normal depression that you have when you, you make a replacement. Right. And I mean, I think next year they're back up and running. I think LSU, LSU back does up. a lot of recruiting for itself. It does. It's, it's such an institution in the state. Uh, you get guys like Will Campbell, who I think is coming no matter what, even though he really is campaigning to keep Brad Davis as a line coach, which, you know, I don't know. I don't care. Uh, I mean, like what's yes. we don't lose Will Campbell. Yeah. And, uh, but I mean, you look at it, it's like, I mean, LSU should be looking at a 10-win season next year. The question is, is can they find a quarterback? I think the – well, yeah, that's the other – that's the question, and I think the question is transfers. Yeah. Um, and, and their coordinator hires. Like, I, I think yeah. – I would I would predict that they do keep Durante. Um, and look, I'm not going to be upset about that. Uh, but if they go get Glenn Schumann from Georgia, I'm going to have, like – I'm going to have a parade. But, uh, but like, it's going to depend on that. It's going to depend on their OC hire, I think, a little bit. Uh, you know, Kelly's had some some sketchy ones, uh, but like, yeah, I think if they can keep people from transferring, uh, figure out the quarterback position. You know, I think it's probably going to be Garrett Nussmeyer, but like, I think Walker Howard's going to get a legit shot since he's an early enrollee, um, and like, and he's really really good. But like, if you can keep people in the house, make a good coordinator hire on offense, keep Durante, or make a good DC hire. Then, like, yeah, he should be. He should be going nine and three, ten and two. Yeah, I mean, and then in year two, it's time to hunt. Yeah, like next year, I think it's a, a stop a bleeding year. You, you know, you're not thinking, hey, go out there and win a national title in your first year. I think that's unrealistic. Right. But you know, you go out there and you say, okay, is not. I think next year is the is Nussmeier the guy is. Yeah, sort of like how Max Johnson got his year. Sort of like how Brandon Harris got his year. To, to try to prove it, and they were not, even yeah. though they were never given a chance. Uh, I think next year is an is Nussmeier the guy year. And if not, I, we don't we don't know how quickly he's going to cut bait and just bring in his own guy. Well, I mean, I think his own guy is going to be Walker Howard because, like, he has recruited him. Yeah, um, he, he might give Walker Howard the reins year one. Yeah, and, like, Walker Howard and, uh, you know, Brian Kelly have a relationship. Like, he's – he Notre Dame was kind of his backup if LSU really, really tailspinned. Uh, as a program, which it didn't. Uh, but, you know, like Walker Howard, I tweeted this when they hired Kelly, but like Walker Howard's like, oh, I don't know. I might go to Notre Dame. And then Scott Woodward's like, all right, here's Notre Dame. We brought you Notre Dame. Come play for LSU. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think he's in. So, so yeah. It, yeah, he's not going to have to get his guy. His guy is kind of already in the building. So, I, I think the future's bright. They get the extra practices now. So, Brian Kelly can come in and you know, at least meet people. Yeah, I think that you know, I I didn't I consider that. I, I didn't think consider that, but that's a big it, deal. It, it you know, it's not like he's going to install a new offense or anything, but I do no. think he just needs to know what he has. It'd be nice also to a have, good. Sorry, continue. No, yeah, it's just nice to be able to sit down, have some practices, and be like, oh, this guy can do this. I yeah, like right. What this exactly. guy can do. Like, it, it's not about scheme. It's about him deciding which players he likes. Also, a great audition for Durante Jones to keep the job. Because yeah. he's going to get to see him in action. He's going to get to see what he installs. Because honestly, the thing I'm most excited about for the bowl game, Durante Jones now has like a month. 
Like we saw what he did with a damn bye week. Um, So he's going to have 12 bowl practices, like a month of, you know, legit things to work on and install and kind of, you know, draw up. And like, I'm really interested to see what he comes up with after a full bowl practice season. And like, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah. Let's, let's see what happens. In the Kelly. Gasparilla Bowl or whatever, wherever we're going. Oh yeah, that's that's going to be the moment Durante Jones ironed out the job because like if he does it, um, but like Kelly's going to get to see him coach, which yeah. is I mean that that is great. You never get to get that kind of you know. It's an audition. Yeah, it's not just for the players. It, yeah, it's not just the players who get to audition. It's the coaches. All, it's all the coaches, honestly. Yeah, you're you're trying to impress the new boss, and yeah, so I'm hoping. You know, we'll see because you can wait a little bit longer in coordinator hires. If you remember, like yeah, 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 yeah. They, they tend to do coordinator hires in January. So, uh, yeah, uh, the the future is bright. Um, so at the end of the day, as much as I want to say I'm against the hire, I do think Brian Kelly's an asshole. I'm. It's a good hire. Scott yeah. Woodward, he, he knocked it out of the park again. I, I think if you look at his hires, uh, the Jay Johnson hire is. Yeah, what a grand slam! Just no, yeah, unintended. Just just been awesome so far. The Mulkey hire was a coup. Yeah, it really was. That was Lincoln Riley-esque, and if you thought him. Came out of nowhere. No one was expecting that. Um, I know some of, the, you know, some of y'all on the, the border are down on Woodward, but, man, he has brought it. He, he, I know. I ch- Like, I, I was so wrong because, like, I thought the process of letting Napier go without without even a call, I still think that's bad process. Terrible process. Terrible process, but it worked out. And, and I still think, you know, the Bo Pelini contract was asinine. The Jimbo Fisher hire at Texas A&M was asinine uh, because he had just set Florida State on fire. Yeah, no, uh, I agree. I like uh, my, yeah. I think I, I honestly think that was like a legit bad hire. Yeah. Even though he's bringing in like a top two recruiting class that may make me eat my words. Uh, because They'll go nine awesome. and three. Don't worry. Go yeah, nine yeah. Nine. No, it's, it's yeah, they're totally going. It's that. 2014 Les Miles class that was number two in the country with Fournette and Chark and Jamal Adams and Kendall or well no Kendall Beckwith was earlier but like and all those guys uh that a couple I'm forgetting but like that ridiculous class that Les Miles brought in uh you know that was they were juniors when he was fired so like yeah like I could see that happening with Jimbo I kind of hope it does because that would be so funny yeah I mean at the end of the day like as we close the book on the Archeron hire, I have, I have to say, I have no complaints. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the whole era. I mean, I didn't like going 500 the last two years, but it didn't bother me. I mean, after seeing the greatest team of all time, I think last year he gets a mulligan. This year he was fired so early. I think as he walked out the door, he, he brought back goodwill. He, he was so good about everything you know he held the class together there was you know you know there's the old saying you know how does it matter how a man falls when all that's left in the fall it matters a great deal well ed orgeron it mattered a great deal he he fell better than almost any coach in college football history yeah i mean so much class the whole way Uh, i mean like ed orgeron has really been a humble guy throughout his time as the lsu coach like you know, you saw that reflected in his staff with Steve Insminger saying, like, yeah, I want to bring Joe Brady in to help help yeah, me, you know, yeah. design a modern offense, which, I mean, incredible humility, won him a national title. Um, well, no, Dave Randall 
you know. But yeah, no, but uh, yeah, it's it's guys like that. But also the fact, and I know there was some tension between him and Aranda, but still, he was able to work alongside him pretty well. I think it was, I I don't think it was real tension. I think it was just philosophical football. Yeah, I I think that's, that's more. I think, like, look, he called him for recommendations for DC hire. Like, he obviously respects him. He's just like, yeah, you know, creative differences. Um, And look, guess who won that battle? But like, you know, they're back to three down, but... Yeah, but it's just what a it was a fun ride. And I and I think this is a guy who ten, even twenty years from now, he's gonna be the guy they bring back. He's gonna be the you know, the old coach that's gonna be wandering around the building that everyone's gonna be like, Hey coach and you know, right. he's you know he's gonna give you a go tagus. And I, I think that's beautiful. I, I he's earned it. And I'm really, as he said, you know, you can never have a bad day as the head coach of LSU football. And he lived it that way. And it didn't end well. Actually, it ended great. You know, yeah. it was the part before the end that was bad. Um, but I'm so proud of just the job he did because I did not think he was going to be able to do the job in the manner he did. He, he represented LSU really better than almost anyone has since Charlie Mack. I I mean, Nick Saban won more games, but if we're talking about someone who just represented the university, Ed Orgeron is this generation's Charles McClendon. And I I, I mean that as the highest praise. Yeah, I mean, look, Ed Orgeron's got that ring. He's got that Coach of the Year award. He's got, you know, I mean, he like, he's going to be the 2019 guy. And 2019 is the greatest, you know, the greatest triumph in the history of LSU football, maybe even athletics, probably even the entire athletic department, because I don't know how you reach a higher high. I, I, I would mean, say the, the like, five titles in 10 years for baseball. I think Skip okay, Burton's still, Skip that's true, still but like In terms of a single season. But yeah, and, but also I think what it is, is that like you look at Auburn, that, you know, they had their one great year. They're not invite. They don't. They're not going to talk yeah, that way Cam about Chiswick. It was only Cam. It was Cam Newton. They're they're not going to talk that way about Chiswick. Yeah, we had Burrow. So we, you know, there's a player you can put it, but it wasn't just Burrow. It was look at everybody. It was Burrow. It was Chase. It was Stingley. It was Jefferson. Like he assembled very Dude. possibly one of the most talented rosters, like outside of 2001 Miami ever. And basically, it's kind of Devin White's going to kind of become the Jim Taylor of the modern era. That's an old reference for you people, because Jim Taylor graduated in 1957. Right. So it wasn't on the 1958 team, but mm-hmm. he was the best player in 57. Devin White was the best player on that LSU football team in, in 2018. Well, him and Delpit, yeah. And then 2019, he's just not there anymore. I think as time goes on, he gets lumped in with the, with those guys. That sucks so much that he wasn't. That he, he didn't get a ring, but I think memory is a funny thing. Right. Like if, yeah. if you look at like when I talk to like my dad about – you know, the 1950s LSU Tigers, even though Jim Taylor wasn't on the 58 team, he's part of the 58 team, if that makes any sense. And yeah, I think he laid a lot of groundwork. And I think that's what Devin White's going to be. I, I think he's still, he's still part of it. And, you know, and uh, as years goes on, he, he's an important part of this as well. He, he was a guy who I just beloved around this town. But I think that's what Richard's going to be. He's going to be a guy that people are going to point to. This guy's LSU football. And very rarely do you get a guy who represents your school that is perfect for your school. And yeah. that was Ed O. And I, I'm I'm genuinely going to miss him. Yeah, me too. And like I think 
the thing that really heartens me so much, um, you know, in the immediate postmortem is that like he is really always going to have that. Like he's going to have the fact that he is this beloved LSU figure who reached incredible triumphs here. And I think, you know, maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe it didn't last as long as he would have liked, but honestly, he really did accomplish everything I think he wanted to accomplish. He brought a title back to Baton Rouge. He is, you know, is going to be viewed as, as LSU football. Uh, And I think that his dream of being the head coach at LSU, you know, it wasn't just actualized by getting the job. It was, I think it was actualized by what he did and how it will be remembered. And I think he should... I think he should consider it mission accomplished. I really I, do. I agree. And next step for him, taking Lee Corso's job. Just saying. Oh my God, that's going to be all. Oh, please, just they saying. Have to subtitle him, but I want that to happen. So but honestly, I've never had a problem understanding him. No, yeah, like you know, obviously, but oh yeah, you're not even from here, so yeah, yeah no, I'm from Connecticut. But yeah, like you know, I I'm got some cousins down in Baton Rouge. I've, if, I've heard the, I've heard the voice. If they put Edo on game day, I'm just saying, throw him out. Oh there. God, that would be awesome. The new Lee Corso. And, and I love, and this is as someone who loves Lee Corso, but you know, it's it, it would be nice if maybe he gets that national audience, and, and I think that's the the level of love that people have for him. He, he is He's a, so awesome. He is a beloved figure, and in tribute to him, we will close with his favorite way to close an interview. Go Tigers! Go Tigers!